Good morning. And uh, welcome to our Sunday service. We hope you are well. We hope you have a nice cup of coffee or a bacon sandwich uh, as you watch uh, this service. Uh, well, yeah, welcome to our house. Welcome to our family. And um, we're all hyper this morning. So we've got a great service planned for you. We're going to hear a testimony from Patrick. We're going to have the third part of our Bible for Grown Ups series. We've got some prayer, we've got some music. But we're going to start just with a few. Little fun things as we gather. Uh, uh, do write in the comments section below if you're new here, particularly if you're new here, do say hello. But all of you just say hello in the comments, otherwise, we don't know you're there. So please say hello. We can't hear you, so. We can't hear you, no. Um, big thank you to everyone that sent in their joining photos. You would have seen those in the countdown. Uh, and next week, see, I've been trying to look for some inspiration, ways of coming up with something new every single week for our joining photos and our top five. And I've, I've, I've struck gold national days. Every day in the year is a different national day. And next Saturday, Sundays was a bit boring, next Saturday is National United Nations Day. Hello. So I want you for your joining photos, Hello. send these to join.in at hornybaptist.org.uk. I want you to send in photos of you in another country. Oh, in another country. I thought you were going to say in another country. I had pictures of people sending in Lederhosen. Lederhosen. If you want to send in photos of you in Lederhosen or a Welsh outfit, you have the tall kind of conical hat. Yeah, no. Photos of you in a, in a different country, okay? Photos of you in a different country. That's to join.in at hornybaptist.org.uk. Now, while we are gathering, I want you to write in the comment section your favourite pasta dish. Your favourite pasta dish. Okay, so let's have a quick, because at the moment I'm going to give you the top five pastas as according to indepe the independent newspaper. Okay, favourite pasta dishes. Spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti spag bowls. Spaghetti bolognese. Um, pasta. What with? Uh, sausage. Sausage. sausage and, oh, we do sausage. do sausage and pasta with sour cream and tomato. Very popular with what the kids. What pasta dish do you like? Sausage and pasta. Sausage and pasta. See, I told you it's very popular with Another the kids. Another sausage and pasta. I think mine. I'm with Ellie on spaghetti bolognese. See, I like the sandwich. Oh, spaghetti oh, bolognese. Oh, oh, cheese sauce in there. You don't, you don't get that with a spag bowl, do you? Cheese sauce. Okay, so yeah, Something in your comment section, write what your favourite, yeah, a carbonara is nice with the ham, that's very, very nice. So, according to the Independent newspaper, this is their top five spaghetti. I think, people can't hear now, I think possibly Independent is a bit posher than the average family, um, judging by the, there's some here I, I haven't heard of and I'm not going to be able to pronounce, but a number five. Spaghetti. Oh, so yeah, spaghetti bolognese. Yes. So they've gone straight up out there with about the only one I know. Uh, spaghetti. At number five, pappardelle. Oh, that's the little um, it's wide, bows, isn't it? It's wide, no, wide ribbons. It's wide ribbons of pasta. Oh, by the way, the judges didn't include any stuffed pasta, like ravioli, or any sheets, like lasagna. I don't know why, they just didn't. Cannoli. Cannelloni, yeah, that's what it's chewed, isn't it? Uh, the th uh, number three is conchigli. Conchigli? Conchigli? Um, it's the curled, cold, cold shells, like those very, very oh, tight yeah. shells yeah, 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 with, the, yeah. with the lines on, yeah. yeah. And number two, I know this one, tagnatelli. Oh, lovely bit of a nice, nice cheese sauce and ham, yeah. And at number one, this shows you. Beep, beep, oh beep, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we, we could have used this. Look, here we go. We got Should this. Is be your beautiful assistant. Right, here we go. We've got hold of the maps. Beep, 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 beep. That's so. Um, a card with lines. That's that's that one. See, I thought that was the pappardelle thing. No, no, no. The pappardelle. We'll have to get is a bit closer, people. We're going to have to get closer. Ribbons. Oh, we haven't got ribbons. Oh, that one. That one must be pappardelle. That one's the conchigli. And then Taglatelli, oh, that's, that's Taglatelli, so the, oh, it, yes, um, and the number one is Orecchietti, Orecchietti, which is like uh, nice rounded 
Like those ones. Those ones. They're number one. Okay. There you go. You learn something new every day, don't you? This is an educational program. So with tray that's broken. That was a completely rubbish top five pasta shapes according to independent newspaper. Thank you. So um, well, we're gonna see a couple of songs now. A couple of kids' songs, but before we do that, Ellie, you're gonna read us. A memory verse. Oh, well, no, not a memory verse. We're not doing memory verse at the moment because they're doing those in the previous verse. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock is our kids' service for 15, 20 minutes. Hello! Um, HBK. Right, nice and loud so they can hear. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Excellent, thank you. And we're going to sing a song about running... A race and living out the Christian life because Paul told us that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is a bit like running a marathon. It's not something you can do in one quick sprint, it's something you've got to do for a long time consistently. You need stamina and perseverance. So here we go. It's called, this is a song called Be Happy. Jump up and down, I'm gonna jump up and down, gonna spin right round, I'm gonna praise your name forever. Gonna shout out loud, gonna deafen the crowd, I'm gonna send my praise to heaven. I'm gonna jump up and down, gonna spin right round, I'm gonna praise your name forever. I'm gonna shout out loud, gonna deafen the crowd, I'm gonna send my praise to heaven. I will run this race and I will never stop. I will follow Jesus till the day I drop. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you got such a lot, when you're not gonna love, what? Be happy. I'm gonna jump up and down, gonna spin right round, I'm gonna praise your name forever. Gonna shout out loud, gonna deafen the crowd, gonna send my praise to heaven. Gonna jump up and down, gonna spin right round, I'm gonna praise your name forever. Gonna shout out loud, gonna deafen the crowd, gonna send my praise to heaven. There we go. Next song is even more actions. I reach up high, I touch the ground, I stomp my feet, and I turn around. I've got to woo woo. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready? Why have you worn yourself out? Are you ready? Okay. Reach up high, I touch the ground, I stomp my feet and I turn around. I've got to Woo praise the Lord. It's status quo. I jump and dance with all my might. I might look funny, but that's alright. I've got to Woo praise the Lord. I'll do anything just for my Every day to do the same. 
jump high and touch the ground I stomp my feet and I turn around I've got to praise the Lord I jump and dance with all my might I might look funny but that's alright I've got to praise the Lord I've got to praise the Lord children. So Lord God, we thank you that we can live our whole life as our worship and praise you. Help us to run a good race. Help us to run with perseverance. And thank you that you are there every step of the way, urging us on. So thank you, Lord. We just pray now as we as we listen to songs, as we listen to testimonies, as we listen to sermons, that you really speak to our hearts as well as our minds, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, what we've got coming up, we've got, in a moment, an interview with Patrick, a story of hope from Patrick. We've got some songs, we've got the third part of our uh, sermon series, Bible for Grown-Ups, some prayer, some more songs. That's about it, so yeah, see you later. God bless. Bye! was okay you know, life is generally mooching along I suppose in that sort of spec um, at the time I was working not far away just locally I was expecting preparing for Esther to finish her finals get through that process and then going through the process of getting Alex out of out of here effectively looking life was looking reasonable I suppose there was no big problems to deal with and we were looking forward to various little tiny things to look for I wasn't wouldn't be Nothing was sad, I suppose, in that respect. Yeah. Well, lockdown happens, um, and so uh, it seemed it seemed the easiest thing to go into furlough. I was on, went onto the furlough scheme. My employer said, his words were, "I'm going to have to put you on furlough. We have to stop work, uh, mainly because we haven't got any sales left. Really, that's what it boils down to. Because everything stopped at this point. Um, furlough kicked in, sent me away." That was fine. Uh, it was kind of handy. I think it was about two months into that. And then uh, they phoned me up and said, I can't really keep you, so I'm going to have to release you. Probably about a month. During that month, effectively, I just sort of sat down and initially it was a bit of a shock. Uh, at the same time, at that time, Esther was home as well and she was looking for a job. So I'd go through the processes of what I've got to do to get me going but at the same time I understand what she's going through well yeah there was worries it's like um, it to tell the truth it's like it's always in the back of your mind you, you, you people tend to put a brave a braver face on it only because it's the only way they're gonna get through the day I suppose in that respect and that was hard but somehow I keep I know this I, I've got to keep faith uh, I I just know I, Oddly enough, I know that God will look after me. Somehow he will look, I don't know how he's going to look after me, but he looks after me. Hello? Yes, he's interested and he's, he, he looks after me, makes sure that, well, I'm all right. And if I'm all right, then everybody else around me will be all right because I can cope with, I can cope with all the rubbish, if nothing else. Um, and it's, it is hard. Um, I think the, the point is sometimes you, we tend to forget that with all the pressures that are all upon us. We tend to be um, self-absorbed about things. Was, mm, worry about this, worry about that. You know, where's the where's the pounds coming from? Oh, no, you have to keep that faith, and it it is hard, much harder than you think. It, well, I personally find it hard, at least anyway, because it's we're always subjected to other things, outside influences, and you've got to try and say no to that as much as you can. I started well after that. I started. I uh, think about five, six interviews in one week, effectively block more or less one a day. Really, it was a bit tiring. That's actually quite exhausting, as it turns out, because you have to give your all to these people you don't know, um, and it may or may not be fruitful. So uh, one was. So that I have to take the flow with it. So that's fine by me. Maybe a little bit stronger in that respect, more respectful of 
others. Um, so yeah, it's a, from my personal point of view, it's a little bit more accepting of what God can do for me. It's, it is a reminder of um, my failings, um, but it's also a reminder of um, how much I'm loved. the stories of the Bible but maybe you fell away from the faith maybe you stopped going to church because you got so consumed in the details and didn't really understand the bigger picture the bigger story that's told to us in the Bible we're going to be looking at that now we're going to be looking at how the Old Testament tells that massive story of God's intervention
So we come to part three of the Bible for grown-ups. And this is really a series for those who were taught the Bible as a child, perhaps were given a Bible as a child, but for whatever reason, put it to one side. Maybe the stories didn't really ring true anymore. Maybe you read bits of the Bible that just didn't make sense. Maybe they contradicted your understanding of morality and life and God's. Or perhaps your experience of church made you question whether this was all right, whether this was all real at all. Now in the first part we looked at those gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, who took time out, they spent time to listen to people's accounts of Jesus. And not only his ministry, not only his crucifixion, but his resurrection as well. Hundreds of people were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus rose again. And if he hadn't, no one would have bothered writing down his story and we would not have the Bible that we have today. And then last time, Neil uh, unpacked for us the fact that those followers of Jesus Christ, those people who had fallen in love with Jesus, started to fall in love with the Jewish scriptures. Now they weren't planning to become Jewish but they saw in the Jewish scriptures something different, something exciting, something new, and something totally countercultural. And one of the main things that Neil pointed out that the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, shows that there was only one God. That despite all the cultures around them, the Romans, the Greek, that had a whole load of different gods, the Jewish faith said there is only one God, and that one God created everything. But the story doesn't stop there. That actually what those early Christians saw was the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus Christ. That they could see Jesus in so many stories, so many aspects of the Old Testament. And it's when we understand that story that we can get really excited about God's bigger story and the fact that we're involved in that as well. So I'm going to take you on a whistle-stop tour through the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of that story that points to Jesus. And we're going to start where Neil left off with God creating everything, creating the universe, creating the earth, creating man and woman in his image, called to be image bearers, called to take responsibility over creation, to rule over it, to rule wisely. But what we see is very, very soon that was not what happened, that Adam and Eve, that first uh, human couple, were tricked into believing something different about God and something different about themselves, that God was a lie, that God didn't want what was best for humanity, that humanity needed to strive for responsibility, to strive for authority, that they needed to know everything. And that's, in fact, the opposite to what God had said. But they fell for those temptations. They gave in to sin. That's what we call the fall, that sin entered the earth. And when we look through Genesis in the first book of the Bible, what we see is this spiralling downwards of humanity, things getting worse and worse and worse. Things were looking pretty hopeless for the human race. But then God steps and we hear about Abraham, just a bloke really, but God decides to go to him and he tells him, look, you're, I'm going to be your God and you are going to be my people and you can have descendants more numerous than the stars. So whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. See, this nation had a purpose. This nation had a purpose outside themselves. That through this family, this Abraham family that would become Israel, that God would bless all people. And we see that really worked out. This covenant, this relationship between God and Abraham and his people, we see this really worked out with Moses, you've probably heard of Moses, the prince of Egypt. And the nation of Israel had become slaves in Egypt. 
And God goes there and through Moses, Moses acting as his representative, he rescues his people. Moses says to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And God meets Pharaoh on terms that only Pharaoh would understand. And that's through power and violence. And we see this amazing story of God's people being rescued from Egypt. Not only are they set free, but they actually take so much wealth with them. They can start being their own nation. And that's when we come to something called a Sinai Covenant. See, God had this kind of informal covenant, this relationship, this, I wouldn't say a contract, because a contract says, if you don't do this, then I'm going to break the contract. The covenant is, if you do these things, I will bless you. If you don't do these things, then things are going to go very badly for you, but I will never leave you. I will always be your God. You will always be my people. And what we see with Moses at Mount Sinai having a conversation with God, the Ten Commandments, we see this formalisation of this relationship, of this covenant. And God lays down the, the framework for this nation, this new people, to really be a shining light in the nations around them. They would be totally countercultural. The God's who is separate, God who is different, God who is holy, wanted his people to be like that too. He wanted them to set an example. Now we can get really caught up in all these commandments. There wasn't just 10 commandments, that was like the basic 10. There was hundreds of rules and regulations. You can read that in books like Leviticus in the Old Testament. And we can get caught up in these restrictions that God puts on his people. And some of you may have read The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Maybe you read that and that has caused you to fall away from your faith. And I just want to read you a quote from Richard Dawkins that talks about God and these restrictions. Judaism, originally a tribal cult of a single fiercely unpleasant God, morbidly obsessed with sexual restrictions, with the smell of charred flesh. So if you look at Leviticus 18, and you look at those 19 restrictions on sexuality, you can very much uh, start to think that God is just a killjoy. And maybe you left the faith because you felt that you needed freedom, that your faith and the church and God wouldn't allow. But if you look at those 19 restrictions, 17 of those 19 restrictions on our sexual behaviour are either illegal or frowned upon in every developed country in the world and most other countries as well. If you read them, rather than seeing God as a killjoy God, you realise how ahead of his time he was. I mean, the Egyptians were still marrying their brothers and sisters. It was... It was ridiculous. And God was saying to the nation of Israel, you mustn't be like them. You need to be different because I'm different. I'm holy. I'm distinctive. And you need to be that too. You need to be a shining light. You need to set an example. I remember when I was a design technology teacher, every project the kids do, I would make first. I would make it as best as I could so I could show them an exemplar, an example of what they could do, of who they could be. That's exactly the same with the nation of Israel. God wanted this people to be an exemplar, an example of what these other nations could truly be like. But unfortunately it wasn't that simple and that's where we move into the king's periods of the Old Testament. See, the nation of Israel looked around all the other nations and thought, wait a minute, they've got kings. All the cool kids have got kings. I don't know whether you wanted something that everyone else wanted when you were a kid. I remember I wanted some Adidas trainers and I was so pleased when I got them. And the nation of Israel looked at the other nations and thought, they've got kings. Anyone who's, any nation that's a nation has a king and we haven't got a king. They didn't have a king because they didn't need a king. They had gods as the one in charge, unlike the other nations. And yet Israel decided they were going to have a king. And you very much start to see this spiral, this seesawing effect between good kings and bad kings. That when a king was good 
and followed God, then the nation did well. But when the king was bad, the nation did badly. And when they did badly, God sent prophets. And this is another part of the Old Testament. Those men who came and spoke God's truth to the nation of Israel that told them, look, if you carry on on this path, you are going to mess up majorly. That those things that God has blessed you with, that he's going to remove those things from you. And what we see is, first of all, Israel was split into two kingdoms, north and south. That northern kingdom was taken over and destroyed. And then the southern kingdom was taken into exile by the Babylonians. They lost the lands that God had promised them. They've lost those blessings that God had on them. And those prophets, they spoke into a historical context. And when we read those prophets, those books of the prophets, we need to remember that. And yet, those prophets occasionally spoke of things way beyond their historical contents. Things that were way in the future. They spoke of a Messiah, a promised king and priest. A king who would be... Not only good, but perfect. A king who would lead their nation in the right ways, the ways of God. And that through this nation, the whole world would benefit. But then we see some strange verses. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah was a prophet. I just want to read you some verses from that chapter. It talks about... A suffering servant. Let's have a look. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. But he was wounded for our transgressions. So this, this bloke was, this person, this man was wounded because of the things that we had done wrong. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So all those wrong things that we have done, the Lord God is laying them on this man, this suffering servant. And this really echoes a sacrificial system for the nation of Israel where they place the sins of the nation and the sins of individuals on a pure and spotless lamb or goats or heifer which I think is a bull or something. And they would burn these offerings to God and that would remove the sin from the person. But in this verse, it seems to be saying that those iniquity, those wrongdoings are being laid on this man. Verse 8 to 9. By perversion of justice, he was taken away. Who could imagine his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living. That sounds like he's died. Stricken for the transgressions of my people. He's been killed because of the wrongdoings of the people. And they made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence. And then verse 11. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall be made righteous and he will bear their iniquities. See, the nation of Israel are probably thinking, who on earth is God talking about here? But you know what? These words, this passage, written five to six hundred years before Jesus was walking on the earth, point to Jesus. And this prophecy, amongst so many others, points to, to Jesus Christ being that suffering servant, being that king, being that priest. That through Jesus' death and his resurrection, 
that not only the nation of Israel, but all people have been set free from the consequences of sin, which is death. See, what we see in the story of the Old Testament is a God who wades into the fray and plays by the rules of the kingdoms of this world in order to usher in a kingdom not of this world. And our Old Testament is a saga of an ancient people struggling to survive in a world where food was scarce, enemies were real, and death was just a minor infection away. And in spite of that, they clung to their God. They clung to Yahweh. And he, in turn, clung to his nation. Careful not to override their freedom with his presence. So the story of the Old Testament is a story of God intervening into our life, into the world. So that through the history of the nation of Israel, we, he might bring about a saviour. Not just for a specific people, but for the world. Gracious God, amid a busy day, we pause to build our lives around you. Amid a busy life, we pause to build our lives around you. Amid the pain that we carry in our hearts, we pause to build our lives around you. Amid our joyful celebration of the gift of life, we pause to build our lives around you. Gracious Lord and God, we know that we are less than the whole persons you have called us to be in Christ Jesus until we acknowledge our sins to you, so we bow before you and pray. We confess that we have tried to run away and hide from you. We constantly deceive ourselves into thinking that we can live without you. We have made idols of our own achievements. We have treated other people as though they did not bear your image. We have left undone those deeds of loving kindness that you want us to pursue in your name. 
Bring your spirit upon us in a gracious, healing way. Make us agents of reconciliation as we live our lives before you. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen. Lord, we pray for those throughout the world who are troubled and worried and in some cases are in despair as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Keep us, Lord, in the shadow of your mercy. In this time of uncertainty and distress, sustain and support the anxious and fearful. Be close to those who are ill, afraid or in isolation. In their loneliness, Lord, be their consolation. In their anxiety, be their hope. In their darkness, be their light. In this time of anxiety, give us strength to comfort the fearful, to tend the sick and to assure the isolated of our love and your love. Gracious God, give skill, sympathy and resilience to all who are caring for the sick. Give wisdom to those searching for a cure. Strengthen them with your spirit and through their work, many will be restored to health. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we pray particularly for those areas of our country which are under increased lockdown restrictions. We pray for government leaders and health experts, for scientists and local councillors. We pray, Lord, for business leaders and employers and employees who find themselves under pressure. Give grace and strength and wisdom and boldness, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we call you holy and seek to worship you all the days of our lives. We pray that the ways of your heavenly kingdom may be made real in the world that surrounds us. May the bread that we need for today be made available for us and all who are hungry. And may you forgive us just as we are able to forgive those who have sinned against us. In the time of moral testing, may we listen first for your voice calling to us instead of the call of the world. Take from us the self-centeredness of our society, this world and all that is in it always has been and always will be yours. Help us to lose ourselves to you and your kingdom. Help us to walk in the light of your kingship, now and forevermore. Amen. God of salvation, guide us so that we may live gracefully. Fan the flames of our faith so we might share your love faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the service. Uh, do um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Do follow our Holy Baptist Church Facebook page to keep up to date with everything that was, that's going on and the numerous things that are happening online during the week. And uh, yeah, it's been great having uh, you join us and, um, and being church with us. We're going to finish with one uh, final song that talks about the character of God, way maker, that is who you are. So let's worship together as we close our service this morning. Bye.